there are four classes of uh, Tantra, and the uh, highest class of uh, Tantra, the most sophisticated, is called Anutra Yoga, the unsurpassable or highest yoga, Tantra. And here we have an even more effective Tantra vehicle than the three lower classes, because uh, here we are working with uh, even closer methods to the result. We are working not just with the uh, imagination that we do on the first stage of Anutra Yoga practice, which mm -hmm. is the generation stage. But when uh, everything is complete, with uh, gaining uh, what there is to gain from the generation stage, without going into great detail about that, then we practice the complete stage. It's not completion, it's not that you're completing something, but now everything is complete and ready. And there we work with the subtle energy systems, the chakras and channels and so on. This is only done on this highest class of Tantra. And with this uh, stage, what we want to generate is a body similar to what we will achieve as, you know, as a Buddha, which is just made from subtle energy. This is called the illusory body. And ultimately, we want to make that from the subtlest level of energy. Here in Anutra Yoga Tantra, we work with the level of mind that is going to be the level that uh, is going to be involved with uh, the omniscient mind of a Buddha. So this is called the subtlest level of mind and is known as clear light level of mind, the clear light level of mental activity. So for this, we need to understand that there are three levels of mental activity. So there is the uh, level, which is uh, gross, coarse level, and this is sense consciousness. And this works on the basis of our sensory apparatus. You know, the photosensitive cells of the eyes, the sound sensitive of the ears, and so on, are so-called cognitive sensors. The subtle level is referring to mental consciousness. doesn't rely on the sense apparatus. So we have thinking and imagining things when we're awake, but more subtle than that is dreaming. More subtle than that is being... Uh, under anesthesia, being unconscious, being in a coma. All these are ever subtler levels in which the consciousness is more and more withdrawn from the, the body, in a sense, the physical body. And then we have the subtlest level, and the subtlest level is uh, what provides the continuity, what continues through death and into rebirth, the next lifetime after lifetime, and what will continue and become the omniscient mind of a Buddha. Omniscient mind of a Buddha is only with this clear light level. And there are many, many advantages of accessing this subtlest level. Normally, it only manifests at uh, the time of death, 
but it is possible through working with the subtle energy systems to access it in meditation. Difficult, but it can be done. The subtlest level is more subtle than our ordinary consciousness, whether we speak in terms of uh, conceptual or non-conceptual, ordinary consciousness, it's more subtle than that. But uh, this uh, subtlest level, the characteristics of it are that it is non-conceptual, so it doesn't have the disturbing emotions, it doesn't make appearances of uh, self-established existence, and it doesn't believe in it, it doesn't have ignorance. So, we want to be able to get a non-conceptual cognition of voidness. This clear light mind doesn't, by itself, have an understanding of uh, voidness. And just because it doesn't have ignorance doesn't mean that it has understanding of voidness. You see, ignorance, that word actually is, I mean, it's much better in German, is actually unawareness. So either you don't know that things don't exist the way that they appear, or you take it incorrectly, that they do exist the way that they appear. So just because we don't have that doesn't mean that we are aware of how things do exist. It's not that. So that's that. We don't have that confusion. Confusion is a little bit better to understand what we're talking about here. So you have the clear light mind of death, but that doesn't mean that you understand voidness. There's no appearance of true existence. There's no grasping for it, no believing in it. But it doesn't mean that it has an understanding of voidness. Do you follow that? Just because I don't know something incorrectly doesn't mean that I know it correctly. I don't know it incorrectly because I don't know anything. Right? But that doesn't mean that I know it correctly. I don't think that you are John, but that doesn't mean that I know that you're Dennis. It's not that I think that you're John. So, what we want to do is to access this clear light level and get it to be focused on voidness correctly. And if we can do that, it will automatically be non-conceptual which in sutra methods takes one zillion eons of building up positive force to be able to do. So, this is much more efficient. That doesn't mean that it's easy. Very, very difficult. But if you can do it, it doesn't take a zillion eons of building up positive force to be able to, with that force, to be able to get it to be non-conceptual. So, this is what we try to do in the Nutri Yoga Tantra, and any level of mental activity has some physical basis for it, and the physical basis for this clear light mind, the subtlest mental activity, is called the subtlest energy. And it's from the subtlest energy that we generate the actual illusory body, and it's from that subtlest energy that you will get the various physical bodies of a Buddha. So it's much more efficient, much closer to the result. If we can get to that subtlest level, and from the mental activity of the subtlest level, focus it on voidness, from the subtlest energy of it, generate it in the form of an illusory body, 
well, on the path, you can't sustain that all the time. So eventually, we'll be able to sustain it forever, and then we become a Buddha. So these are the advantages of uh, Tantra, why uh, Tantra is efficient, more efficient than uh, Sutra, and why if we follow it sincerely and correctly, it doesn't take as long to attain enlightenment. Now, of course, there's many, many more details that uh, can be given, much more explanation, but uh, perhaps that's enough for uh, this session. And we can use the rest of our time for questions, specific things that you would like more explanation of. Yes, please. Right. The other three Tantra classes are called Kriya, Charya, and Yoga Tantra. So Kriya Tantra emphasizes external actions. So there's a a great deal of uh, ritual cleanliness, diet, is uh, very important there, these sort of things. Charya has a balance between external and internal. Yoga, more emphasis on internal and has an awful lot of mudras, these uh, hand gestures, tremendous amount of that. And the Nutra Yoga has these special inner methods dealing with the chakras and channels. Now, what's most commonly practiced are the first class Kriya Tantra, and the Anutra Yoga Tantra, the highest class. The second and third class are not so commonly practiced. And also you should be aware that uh, these Yidams, these Buddha figures, have many, many, many different forms of the same one. So there are tons of different Avalokiteshvaras, Chenrezi, and many, many different forms of Tara, and so on, and they will appear in more than one class of Tantra, And even with the same figure and the same form, there will be many different lineages and different different practices of it. So, Tantra is extremely vast. Yes. Okay, so how can a subtle level depend on a coarse level? From a causality point of view, what we're speaking about is technically, you know, there are five different types of causes that are uh, explained in one system of Abhidharma and 20 in the other system of Abhidharma. So here, what the type of cause that we're speaking of is called an obtaining cause, and it is that from which you obtain the result, like a sprout comes from a seed, that when you get the sprout, the seed no longer exists. When you get the flower, the seed no longer, you no longer have the seed state of the plant. So, like that, these networks bring about, from them you obtain the result, but when you obtain the result, you no longer have these networks. The obtaining cause of cheese is milk. When you have the cheese, you no longer have the milk. And how do you get something subtle from something coarse or gross? Well, think of television or radio, you know, there's gross apparatus, and from that, there's a signal, which is very subtle, but somehow, you know, thousands of kilometers away, you can receive. So, it's no, you know, big deal to get something subtle from something coarse. I mean, it's not not something unusual. So, similarly, just as you have electric current in the apparatus that's producing the signal, 
Similarly, underlying every moment of uh, mental activity is the subtlest level. It's unbroken. It's what provides the continuity. You have to get rid of the gross thing in order to get the subtle thing to be manifest. So this is in terms of getting to the clear light mind. The grosser levels have to be stopped. But just to get to that subtle level is not enough. It has to get the understanding of voidness. So what will give the energy to be able to get to that, the force behind it, that's this network of positive force. So that you need in any case. It's not that this gross level transforms into the subtle level. So it's not exactly analogous to the milk transforming into the cheese. But take it more literally, that from which you obtain the result. The seed doesn't transform, in a sense, into the sprout, but you get the sprout from the seed. When your body is obtained from sperm and egg of your parents, is there still sperm and egg of your parents inside you somewhere? Did they transform? Well, you have to understand what that means. It's not so literal. It's not quite a transformation either. Mm. Is it? But it, it is obtained from that. It's not that you have a sperm and egg here on the table and then, boop, you know, then it's your adult body. It didn't transform into it. So causality is very, very complex. Is the conclusion of this. It's not so simple. And therefore, we have very, very complex analyses of this in, in Buddhist metaphysics. Yes. There is a difference here, you know, between a potential and something which is the result of a potential. There's potential energy and then kinetic energy. From potential energy, you get kinetic energy. Maybe that's a better way of looking at it. If there's no potential energy, kinetic energy, where is it going to come from? And let's not get into a technical talk about physics, because I'm certainly no physicist. I mean, we're talking about energy here. When we talk about the body of a Buddha, it's subtlest energy. So there's a potential energy, and then there's that potential energy can bring about grosser energy of this body or a subtle, really subtle energy of body of a Buddha. Depending on dedication, depending on so many different factors. Causality is very complex. Right? We talk about results ripening from the cause. So karmic potential will ripen in the form of a rebirth and the body of the rebirth, and the experiences of the rebirth. You know, it's very complex. Not simple to explain, and, not, and certainly not simple to understand. And the main point is that, as a, as a summary of all of this, is that we all have the Buddha nature factors. We have the factors which will allow for the transformation to become a Buddha. How that actually works, how that happens, explained, you know, just in a very gross level. 
today, I mean this weekend, but it requires a great deal further of study, more background, and so on, to get it a little bit more detail. But when we understand that we that part of the mental continuum, don't think of this network as being something physical. It's not physical at all. But nevertheless, it is possible to attain enlightenment. We have the factors that will allow that. It's part of the factors of what goes along with the mental continuum. To understand it more deeply, we have to get into the whole issue of imputation, and it starts to get very, very complex. So we try to keep it on a simpler level. Start with. You see, it isn't even that there's potential energy transforming into kinetic energy. We're not talking about energy. It's a potential. We all have the potential to become a Buddha. And we all have a mind. We have mental activity. And so that potential, we have a potential to act in a stupid samsaric way, or we have a potential to act in an enlightened way. And because we have a body, mind, you know, ability to communicate, and so on. Because the mechanism of mental activity is the same, whether we're talking about just ordinary looking and thinking and so on, or an omniscient mind of a Buddha, the way that mental activity works is exactly the same. So that potential is there. We have all the working materials to become a Buddha. It's just a matter of putting in the effort. Bodhicitta, and then maintaining it, as I said, the vows, you know, that you don't lose it. And working on getting that understanding of voidness and accessing that subtlest level of mental activity, because that'll be the most efficient. And working with these Buddha figures, because that's the most efficient. That's what it's all about. And to gain the confidence that we have the potential, we have the ability. It's a matter of doing it. With a great deal of patience, because it's taken an awful long time to sustain it. So, let's end here with a dedication. We think whatever understanding, whatever positive forces come from all of this, may it act as a cause for everyone to attain the enlightened state of a Buddha for the benefit of all. <laughs>